You only have one life to live, so get the most out of it. On Good Life, Great Life, join me, Brian Highfield, and my guests as we share success stories, habits, mindsets, and lessons learned by successful people. These lessons are not taught in schools, but are critical for getting ahead in life. Whether you want a successful business or career, optimal health, or a lifestyle that most people just dream of, Good Life, Great Life has you covered. After retiring from a successful corporate career in my 40s, I founded multi-million dollar businesses in the sports and healthcare arenas. Now, I help everyday people maximize their lives and speak regularly at seminars, on podcasts, and radio shows to share principles on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Don't let a good life get in the way of a great life. Join me today on Good Life, Great Life. Well, welcome to another episode of Good Life, Great Life. So we want to turn your good life into a great life. And today we have with us a very special guest. We have Phoenix Jackson. Welcome to the program, Phoenix. Hi. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Phoenix is the founder and chief communications officer for the Phoenix Effect. She's also a corporate communication strategist, an expert in social entrepreneurship, and we're glad to have you with us. Thank you. How's your, your day been going there? You know, yes. it's, it's, it's been great. I can't complain when it's uh, 80 some degrees and sunny. The, it's, it's hard to be sad when the weather's this good. <laughs> you know what? That is fact. That is fact. So we both did something this, you know, over the last many years, we moved to warmer climates. I think we're halfway to retirement because that's what retirement people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what you do. You buy the white shoes and you get the car and you leave your blinker on. I mean, that's that's all required uh, for <laughs> being retired nowadays. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you're all about, Phoenix. Yeah, so I started the Phoenix Effects back uh, my sophomore year at college in the University of Denver. I was like one of the only students that had um, a business back then. I won like their Entrepreneur of the Year Award upon graduation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was just, you know, I had this thing in my head of, I don't want to go out outside of college and get a job. I'm going to start something that I can build upon. Now, this was before, you know, the internet was as robust as it is. So we stepped into the branding and marketing space. We help people with everything from like logo design to advertisement design campaigns and web. And web back then was uh, a monster. You know, you had those fancy flash websites that, you know, played the music as soon as you turned it off, yeah. you know, and all this <laughs> stuff, right? And we just decided to build a business off of helping people sort of look good within their businesses. We saw a big gap, uh, specifically in Colorado. And we thought, let's jump in here and also bring a, a fresh perspective of like a millennial, a uh, woman of color, like, let's bring a different perspective. And most of our clients were very diverse. You know, we worked with some of the top Jewish organizations, the, the Latinx community, Asian Americans, Black Americans. It was just very diverse. And it was really, it was just really awesome. I loved just the process of the growth and adaptation. And of course, over the years, we evolved and kept those original services of the branding, web, marketing, all of that. But then we evolved into communication strategy and public relations. Um, we work with so many celebrities, politicians, NGOs, um, international business leaders, humanitarians. We've worked with a gamut of, of people. And what I've noticed about all of them and sort of what our criteria is as, as we choose you know, who we're going to work with is that the person has to be doing something that's pushing the human collective forward, right? Like someone who's doing something based on impact, 
something, someone who's doing something that's going to be, you know, far reaching and that's going to help heal on some level. And so that's why the company is the Phoenix effect, because it's like, we're here to affect, we're here to impact, we're here to help. So, you know, influence something and, and shift the needle. 16 years later, I'm sitting here with you and we're having a, a good episode. That's right. <laughs> so talk about talk about public image a little bit. I mean, people yeah. I think can understand, uh, you know, for politicians and people in the public eye, how important that is. But mm-hmm. how how important is it for businesses or just everyday people to have a, a strong public image? Oh, my, it is extremely important. I remember when social media was sort of starting to take off, not from this standpoint of how Facebook started, which was in my freshman year of college, Facebook started as sort of this young, fun thing. I remember the shift around 2012, 13, when people said, you know what, we're actually going to be nosy as your future employer. We're going to look on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, they started that earlier than that, but it, it, it got, it broke like it spread out and kind of caught wind with major corporations doing this around that time. They started paying attention to the people they were hiring. So you could be the perfect candidate, could have came in with the best smile and the great, you know, you're going to be the self-star. You're like, I'm going to be the best person to bring all the initiative in the world. And when that hiring manager saw you binge drinking on a beach <laughs> somewhere on your profile. That wasn't good, huh? <laughs> nope. They're like, oh, this person's not a reflection of our company, yeah. right? And so I knew then the importance of the personal brand and the personal image as an individual. And I would tell people at the least, if you're someone who's going into the tech field or you eventually want to be a C-suite level executive in your lifetime, it doesn't happen tomorrow. Like whether you're looking at that 10, Mm -hmm. 20 years on a line, you got to have a really great souped up EPK and you got to have a cute little one to three page website that really shows who you are and what you're about. Um, the downside of the internet is that people can put out any type of information they want. And if, if people who are important or, and who you're looking to connect with sees that first, that can shut the door for your opportunity. And so you always want to be ahead of your own public image in the best way possible. And who can, you know, help you with your public image other than yourself, or of course, hiring a professional. Yeah. And we actually experienced that recently um, where, you know, we were looking to hire an assistant uh, here in our, in our house. And uh, one of the applicants, um, you know, my wife looked her up on social media and saw some things that just, she did not like at all. And so it immediately disqualified this person. See, and it, it still matters. I think now I know that, you know, the younger millennials have sort of ushered in the age of, hey, this, I'm living my life. And if I'm good at my work, just take that. Uh-huh. If I have tattoos up to my neck, that's my life. That's my business. Just accept me as I am. And I think some of that is shifting culturally towards their favor. However, you still have a bulk of certain industries where specifically the finance industry, um, industries that are heavily revolved around trust, you have fewer people who are going to get past their mental biases that quickly and still hire you if you look differently from what they are expecting. Or as your wife saw, she probably saw some behavioral things that made an eyebrow, you know, stand up. So what about what about businesses, you know, and then their social media, um, uh, the social media that they have out there. So if consumers or, or other business to business type of situations are looking for businesses and they find them through social media, what are some important things that that business needs to keep in mind 
in order to get more clients or get more, more customers? So one thing I always tell businesses, no matter how big or small, is to keep their customer experience as consistent as possible, right? Because I have seen, unfortunately, situations where someone who wasn't even a customer of the business put out a negative profile, but it, it, it was it was based on something personal within the company with someone, right? So something mm. happened somewhere and someone placed out a negative customer profile on Yelp or Google review saying X, Y, and Z. And the only way one company was able to combat that comment was to say, hey, we don't even do that within our company. We don't have that processes at all. So I think keeping a consistency in your your customer life cycle, right? That that should be number one. And then finding that standard. The second thing is everyone, no matter if they are a receptionist, a janitor, all the way up to the CEO, or even if you're in a very small business where it's one or two people, everyone represents the company. And people, I've had people roll their eyes at me. It's like, oh, but I don't want to represent the company. I just want to answer, <laughs> I just want to answer the phone and tell them who to talk to. You're their first point of contact. You represent the brand. So with that, companies should have trainings out the gate of this is our, our company's voice. This is our brand. This is why we do what we do. This is, you know, how we do what we do. And this is our standard of communicating with the outside world. So that part is important too. So knowing your, your customer life cycle and that processes. And then second would be making sure that everyone in your office, like I said, if it's two people, a hundred people, everyone knows that they, they are a face of the company. And if, you, if you're an organization that handles very complex issues, you have to even have social standards with your executives and your teams. Make sure that people dissociate themselves from the company if they have a strong political stance in one way or another. It's fine to have your political stance. It's fine to have your thoughts around whatever, but you know, make your page to where it's not connected to the business because we don't want people to think that this is the voice of the business. So I think companies is always put, put those communication standards in place as well and train their workforce. It can be a one-day training on that. So a lot of it, I mean, a lot of what you're talking about really has to do with the company culture and bringing those employees into the fold of this is our culture, this is who you're representing and, and yes. proper training, you know, in, in line with that. Exactly. And, you know, PR, which is our, you know, the bulk of our specialty PR, public relations is not just media relations. I think that's what people immediately think. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you're going to get me on this podcast, this TV show, I'm going to be on Oprah. Like, okay, yeah, that's a component of PR. Yes. But that's only one fifth of PR. There's corporate relations, there's community relations, there's um, brand partnership and development, which is a form of pub public relations. There's uh, crisis management and there's risk management as well. Those are all a form of public relations and how a company sort of interacts with individuals, internal and external. So I try to let people know that as well. Like as you are all the face of the company, think about in every way you're relating to the public. Your corporate relations does not match necessarily the community relations. How you deal with community partnerships and how you deal with the individuals that you have fund, help fund is not in the same vein of how you work with strategic partners who could potentially pay the bills, right? The work you do over here in community should be positive PR that affects and impacts what you attract over here. Like there's just, there's so many pieces to it. So we try to educate companies in the best way possible to, to make sure they don't find themselves in a, 
boo-boo in any form of public relations that they move in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about social entrepreneurship. Um, yes. You know, your, your profile says you're an expert in social entrepreneurship. I mean, first of all, for our listeners, what what is that? How do you how do you define social entrepreneurship? Social entrepreneurship, uh, aka impact entrepreneurship, is the ability to create something that's pushing the human collective forward. And the short and, and dirty of it, right? Someone who says, "Hey, I, I own this clothing line, and here's my clothes." That's that's not a social enterprise. But if someone says, hey, which we do have a client in this vein, right, who says, hey, I'm the for, foremost leader in suicide prevention, and I have toolkits and everything to train your people on how not to get burnout. I have toolkits on suicide prevention and postvention, just in case there is a, a suicide commitment within the company, which has always been happening across America and uh, around the world, actually. That is a social enterprise. That's a company that has sort of a uh, a nonprofit mission because nonprofit we automatically think of the do gooders, mm-hmm. and for profit we think of the people who are here to make money. Social entrepreneurship or impact is like we're doing good and we're making money at the same time because that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it's it's a, it's a marriage of those two industries, and I have had the pleasure of working with some of the best and brightest social entrepreneurs around the world. And I, I joke around with my, my family and friends and say, if I pass away tomorrow, you know, forbid, I was like, I would have like my work and the work of the people that I, I uphold would have reached, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more than that. So that is my definition of a social uh, entrepreneur. That's uh, it's great. So what, well, I guess what advice if people has an idea, you know, that they want to propel the, the world forward and, and they want to bring that to fruition and they have the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, what what advice or what's some, what's some of the tips you would give that person? I would say you're you're making me think off the cuff. I love yeah. this, Brian. <laughs> uh, I would say the number one thing to do, which is a very practical step, is to do research. Um, research first and see what's out there because I hate to I hate to say this, but it's true. People think that their brilliant idea is the first one when really the human collective thought is a collective thought. If you're having that idea there's chances are someone else is having that same idea. And so I would say, look around, see what's out there and see, should you duplicate the will? Should you expand on the will? And in the rare case, is there no will? So you got to create it. So just the first, first thing would be to, to research, see what's out there. Um, mainly because I look at uh, like certain industries, like the, the veteran industry, there are over 39,000, I think 39,000 veteran nonprofits around the country, many of which are not performing. But for someone to know that, you you, you know, you should do research, figure that out and then say, well, what am I going to do differently? Um, So I would say that's the first thing, research. The second thing would be to really look at, okay, as a as a social entrepreneur, how can you what's going to be the fastest route of taking your customer through that, that customer experience, that life cycle? And what are what can they buy from you along the way? to where at the end of that life cycle, they have walked away in a more elevated stance from where they started. And you can ensure that they've reached that while also, again, selling something and providing something of true tangible or or intangible value for them. 
So that's what I, those are the two main things I would focus on is first researching, seeing what's out there, seeing which will let you know how you should move and create next. And then number two would be, hey, uh, let's look at, you know, the processes of bringing individuals in, how we're going to actually help them and where we can get the money to help them or whether it's coming directly from the customer or if it ends up being from sponsors and corporate partnerships. Because I know there's some social entrepreneurs out there right now who they don't actually, they provide direct free services to their audience, but all of the, the money comes from corporate partnerships. Wow. So those, corp, yeah, those corporations are um, saying, hey, I'll give you guys 150,000 for this particular event that you're doing. We just need to make sure that our name is everywhere <laughs> so people can so people can buy you know people can buy from us it's sort of a it's sort of a uh, a i call it a two point touch point it's like the person will see that corporate brand everywhere then they'll go and follow or interact with that corporate brand and then the third thing would be that they would end up buying or participating with that brand so it's like it takes two touch points before the purchase but it works very well for corporations and it's it's sort of a a good game plan when they're working with social entrepreneurs. Great. Now we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording today and, and you had uh, kind of a, a new and exciting project that your company is working on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, at the Phoenix Effect, we have not been able to take on every PR client that was out there. It's, it's, it's impossible. I don't care how big a firm gets. PR is something that takes time. It takes strategy. So it takes a lot of thinking power and it takes hours of collective work. So what we decided to do, we actually, I came up with this idea three years ago when a college reached out to me from the Midwest and said, Hey, we are using your couple of your YouTube videos for our like supplemental as a supplemental piece in our course on journalism. And I was like, okay. And then I got the idea then like, well, maybe I should start uh, an, online, an online academy to actually supplement this because this wasn't the first time I've heard someone in the higher educational field say uh, from a more critical point of view that a lot of the universities aren't actually teaching public relations the right way. They're, they're putting, putting it under journalism and they're not, they're not actually teaching practical strategy and practical application. So people walk away thinking, well, what is PR? I think it's just building relationships. Mm. Like they, they, they have no practical application. So our job was like, our job, what we thought our job was to just teach, like, how can we teach? How can we give them practical application? And I did some testing, you know, around just different groups, clubhouse and other areas to see like, can people actually apply some of our techniques themselves to do their own PR? And yes, they were able to do that. So June 1st, launching the PR University, and we're going to have curricula in there for your do-it-yourselfers who just want to donate maybe five hours back to their business uh, a week, I would say, to do their own PR, to get that notoriety, to get to like tap into our media contacts, tap into the, the who, what, when, where, and why, and how of media relations and building out their own story strategy. And then we also are going to have a path for actual undergrad and graduate students who are in journalism or who are trying to get a communications degree and they wanna actually have practical skills in PR because there is a shortage of individuals in this field. And it would be nice to have more people in the field who actually can, uh, you know, on either side of it can vet, pitch and even accept great PR stories. 
No, that sounds great. And it is, you know, it is expensive service, um, you know, for any, anybody that's, I guess it's worth their weight, you know, in the PR industry, it is an expensive service. So I think this is a good alternative uh, for people yeah. to kind of pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and, and do a lot of it and learn, learn more about it themselves. So I think it's a, I think it's a great, a great uh, service. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be a fraction of the cost, of course, going to a university and not learning the skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so uh it's going to be at the PRUniversity.com and we'll have all of the, just the information there. And it's, I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. And, you know, for years, I've been in business for 16 years. We've never had a B2C product because like I said, what we do is very specialized and every company and organization need a different level of consulting, but this will be a way to provide something to the public that's inexpensive, that will educate them and they'll be able to take it and run with it. And I'm hoping that I'm going to create my next leg of publicists. I'm hoping I'll be able to create some strategic thinkers and people who will be able to work with our next big stars and next big, you know, celebrities and, and, and politicians and make sure that their good deeds and words are being heard amongst the noise of, of our uh, current media climate. Awesome. Well, good. Yeah. And we're, we're getting low on time here, but I, I want to make sure that if our audience wants to get to know you a little bit more or get in touch with you, uh, how they can do that. Yes. So um, again, you can go to thepruniversity.com to find information about our, our, our new school. But if you would like to learn information about the company, you can go to phoenixeffect.com and that's phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X-A-F-F-E-C-T. Uh, you, you'd be surprised how many people misspelled oh, my, my first name. <laughs> yeah. So phoenixeffect.com. And there's information on there about our services, what we do, links to, you know, the LinkedIn and everything. And again, I'm Phoenix Jackson and I'm the head publicist and I'm the, the CEO. And uh, I love the work that I do. And if you guys have any questions, don't feel you know, bad about contacting us. Uh, you can email me and the team directly. If you have like literally any questions about the work that we do, we're, we'll be happy to talk to you. We're at contact at phoenixeffect.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Good stuff, Phoenix. So our guest today has been Phoenix Jackson. She is the founder and chief communications officer of the Phoenix Effect. So this has been a great conversation, Phoenix. I wish we had more time. We'd love to learn so much more about uh, what you're doing out there and all the uh, social, help all the social entrepreneurs and aspiring social entrepreneurs that are out there. So thank you so much for being on the program. Of course, thank you. And I appreciate you for having me. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.